Welcome to the Merge Boo Podcast. It seems today that all you see is Survivor on Paramount Plus and podcasts on your phone. But you better be ready. I'm Joel Edmiston. I'm Cody Crane. We want to talk about Yeah. Cody, how excited are you for the guest today? I am so excited. I'm through the roof. My top has been blown off. <laughs> uh, everyone, please. Uh, I would like to introduce our guest, the winner of Survivor Season 41, Erica Kazupanen. Erica, hello. Hello. I, can I applaud for myself or will that be Of course. Be weird? Yeah, we'll applaud. I, I won't make it well. weird. <laughs> Thank you. Um, <laughs> we add sitcom like sound effects to every episode. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And don't worry about applause. We'll add it in in post. Erica, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Thank you. This is actually the first like longer one that I've done since I've won. Oh, awesome. Um, as you know, I had to not listen to a lot of podcasts while watching the show because I think I needed to I think I needed to be Miley Cyrus and let Hannah Montana like be talked about and exist out there in the world. So I needed to have that space between me and the me that was on TV. But of course, you're a Toronto comedy guy. So I had to chat with you. Oh, thank you. That's awesome. It, it is honestly very meaningful that you've come on because we are a Toronto podcast and you're from Toronto. It, we just I'm just so glad we were able to make this happen. So thanks again. Of course. It's uh, funny. The chance encounter we had at Comedy Bar. Yes, led to I know. This. Listeners of the podcast know the uh, the storied history of me and you running into each other. And uh, and the, the rest is history there. <laughs> and and we, we had that great night right before everything shut down uh, at your watch party, which was incredible. I can't believe that we we did that right before Omicron became this big sort of thing that we had to fear. So so happy that happened. I I also want to note too that uh, um, I've told Joel this, but he must feel like an absolute fool to have been sitting across from the winner at Comedy Bar that night and just not even knowing. Egg no. on his face. <laughs> that was e- that. Well, that was even before the hourglass, Erica. Mm-hmm. I think it was like the night before you uh, you got the hourglass. Yeah, I think it. Yeah, it was actually that week right before the hourglass episode Mm -hmm. and you were saying oh i know how to read the edit i know you're gonna do well and i'm like i don't know we'll see (laughs) but if it makes you feel any better my own mother didn't realize she would be having dinner with a survivor winner so don't feel too bad yeah she had been having dinner with a survivor winner forever that actually uh brings up something that i'm kind of jumping ahead but Mm -hmm. there is in your exile island um like a family package that they showed they show a picture of you at Harvey's (laughs) of course how I mean how can you not I grew up in Niagara Um, my family is Filipino Filipino people tend to be quite Catholic so think about Lent and on Fridays you cannot eat meat we were always at Harvey's eating the veggie burgers so Harvey's (laughs) was a big part of my childhood that's great and uh, American people just don't know the pleasure of the 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 wonderful chained restaurant Harvey's. Yeah. They don't know that Harvey's makes your hamburger a beautiful thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, cause we didn't, cause I, I recognized like the seats when I first watched and I was like, what the heck is that? And I showed Cody, like I, I, I had a screenshot of it. I was like, what restaurant is this? And then he's like, look at the cup. 
and it, the cup was Harvey's. So I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm a moron. <laughs> Don't have the he attention. Was just, he was actually like weeks of uh, hyping up this restaurant. I'm like, yeah, I, gotta, I remember. We got to ask her what restaurant that was. And he's like, I looked Harvey's. at it for Look two seconds. <laughs> so I actually got a DM from Harvey's saying, really? you like Harvey's question mark. And I'm like, yes. So we're, we're I'll keep you updated on what happens. Oh. I think that this could be this could be something beautiful. Oh, you're going to be a spokesperson. I would settle for a free veggie burger. Oh, that'd, be, that'd be nice. Yeah. The million and, you know, prices are going up there. So a million dollars might not be enough soon for the <laughs> veggie burger there. <laughs> um, so, uh, Cody, do you want do we want to just start asking uh, Erica questions about the game or? Uh, yeah, I want to talk about like uh, the the start of this and your um, audition video. What was what was that looking like? What was that experience? I auditioned as soon as Canadians were eligible to be on Survivor. So it was October 2018. As mm-hmm. soon as that announcement came out, one, I had a lot of friends text me because they've always known that I wanted to be on Survivor. And it was always this thing that I would talk about and bring up at cocktail parties, as one would say. And everyone would just kind of say, OK, sure, I'm sure it'll happen one day. Um, so as soon as the news came out, I had a friend come over. It's a friend that I've had. Since I was in high school, we used to be in like the media and tech club at high school. And he recorded a video of me. And I was honestly just standing in the room that I'm in right now talking about why I want to be on Survivor. And then afterwards, edited it, added in photos and videos of me traveling or living my life or whatever. I send it in October 2018. Don't hear back. I know through following the internet that Survivor 39 is filming, Survivor 40, I'm likely not to going to be on because it's going to be an epic season. So I don't hear anything. I continue living my life. And then one day in August 2019, I actually went to the CNE, ate a bunch of like fried pickles that had whipped cream. I don't know, like mm. the weird stuff you get from the CNE. Yeah, yeah. I had a stomach ache. I couldn't sleep. And I thought, this is the time to create a new Survivor video. So I, I'm laying in bed and I'm talking to my phone about why I need to be on Survivor. And the next day, luckily, before I send in this like stomach ache bed video, casting actually calls me in response to the original video I sent in in October 2018. So it was this, I don't know how this all came together the way it did, but by August 2019, I was in the hopper and then I started going through casting. And wow. yeah, it's kind of been part of my life ever since. Amazing. And in other interviews, when you tell this story, are you gonna are you gonna say the CNE and just expect them to know what it means? <laughs> oh yeah. Now everyone has to know now. If the winners yeah. from Toronto, they need to keep up. Yeah. <laughs> and and the thing about the CNE is they do have these crazy foods and everything that often I <laughs> I remember my first year here in Toronto living here. It like everyone got sick from this like donut burger. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> so I can't even imagine what this second audition video would have been like. Were you just on your deathbed talking about wanting to be on Survivor? <laughs> yeah, I think I was even saying, listen, last year I made a really good audition tape and it wasn't good enough. So now you're getting me with a stomach ache. I'm, I'm glad that that video has never seen the light of day. <laughs> if you can survive the CNE food court, you can win Survivor. And I think that's the, uh, yeah, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. I was going to ask uh, what's what's worth the, de- the deep fried butter or uh, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> papaya. I, I don't killed. know. What <laughs> I would have killed for some deep fried butter out there. I would have eaten anything. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, yeah, so I mean, I like I remember too when that they announced that Canadians were allowed to play, and it was like literally in my head, like I almost like put it out of my brain that like we'd never see a Canadian on Survivor. I literally thought that, and then when they said that, it was like the like I thought Survivor Canada was more of a a chance than actually seeing a Canadian on Survivor. So actually, when it happened, I remember it being like. A, like my mind was blown and I and then then we had Tom Laidlaw on the show and he was a hockey player like a celebrity so I was like oh it's just it's is it just stunt casting I don't know and then you came on and won so that was you know incredible I I said early on that I was like I said I'm gonna be rooting for Erica but I hope she doesn't win because I want to be the first Canadian winner but now I've changed my mind <laughs> sorry I let you down Joel yeah it's okay um was yeah, there so anything, there, go on, was sorry. There anything different um, between like you getting on, once you get on the show, your audition, you got in. Was there anything different between you getting on the show and everyone else getting on the show? Because I know there's got to be a lot of different like hoops with being a winner and being a Canadian winner and all of that, like rigmarole. So was there a lot different from actually like just getting you there? Um, I feel like there's probably weird stuff on the administrative side, like um, having to do a bunch of medical tests in Canada, because you have to do a lot of tests before you get on the show, you need to be healthy enough to be able to live out there. So I think that I was kind of the guinea pig, where, from what I understand, the contestants who are in America, they were able to go send people to one chain of medical testing centers. And for me, I kind of got a list of all of the things that I needed to do. And can you please figure this out? <laughs> and I remember having to go get a heart test. And one, it was very confusing to everybody there why I was getting a heart test, because the referral I got from my doctor said that I was perfectly healthy. And two, I told them that I would pay for the heart test out of pocket. And as many people know, healthcare in Canada is covered. So they didn't even know how much they should charge me for taking this heart test. They, I don't even think they had um, like a POS machine to take the payment. So I had to go to the bank and get exact change for this like multi-hundred dollar heart test. So there's a lot of, just a lot of weird things like that I need to work there. And even the money, a lot of people are really curious about the prize money. And I'm still working through that. All I can say is it's a lot more complicated being in another country. There's a lot more steps I need to go through. So I'm working on that now. Wow. Was there anything like just um, because I know for when you're acting and you book a like thing in America, you have to get an American visa or at least like a temporary one. Did you have to do something like that? No, I was just my Canadian self with my Canadian passport. And that was it. Cool. And so there and but you also were casted for the 20 like for season 41 originally in 2020. Right. And then you had to wait a whole year and you but but I'm, I imagine there were other people that were originally casted that didn't get asked back. But you were you not sure all year whether you were going to be asked back again in 2021? Yeah, that full year. So think about everybody going through the peak pandemic. I was harboring the secret that I couldn't tell a lot of people where I felt like my dream had come through and maybe it was falling through my fingertips because when we were told in March that we weren't going to be filming, we were actually told, OK, it's going to be delayed for two months. 
hoping that, you know, optimistically hoping, hoping that COVID was going to be a bit different than it is now. So we thought that we were going to film when 42 would normally film, but then a month later I hear, okay, we're pushing it back another two months. And then a month later, same thing. So it kind of went on like that for a few months. And really that actually kept my hope alive during COVID because I'm like, okay, I'm still going to work out. I'm still working for something. And then it wasn't until I want to say the fall Oh my gosh. Remember how everyone had a hard time in the fall in 2020. So it was Labor Day weekend. I was at the, I was on the Island in Toronto. I was at the beach and I got a call saying you can't film this year. I had to go into the bushes and hide and, and like not tell my friends what I was doing, but I got Uh. this call saying, we're not going to film it this year. We can't promise that everybody who's on the cast is going to be back on. Hopefully you'll hear from us next year. And I just remember being so heartbroken, but then having to go back to see my friends and smile with a white claw and act like everything was fine. So there was a while where I I wasn't sure it was going to happen, but then thank goodness at the beginning of 2021, I got the call saying that I was back in the hopper and I had to start to get ready to go again. Cool. That's great. And I love the Toronto Island detail of that story as well. (laughs) It's very important. You, you know, exactly the, the tall grass slash bushes I had to hide. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, So, and then, and then you go out there and there's a two week quarantine are you during that quarantine? Are you seeing anybody? Are you seeing the other players at all? Or when we were quarantined, thankfully they were really nice hotel rooms where we had a kitchen, a living room. So I had a balcony I could go on and I could see from a distance. I could see Ricard. I could see Voce and right underneath me, I could see Tiffany. So we would see each other, but we weren't allowed to communicate or anything. Mm. And in Fiji, after you quarantine for a certain number of days and you've tested negative a certain number of times, they allow you to have two one hour blocks of exercise a day where you can go outside um, and, you know, move your legs around. For us, they didn't want us to actually do anything athletic that could signal to the other cast members like how strong or how not strong we might be. So all we were allowed to do was walk around this grass field in an oval for an hour. It was very walking dead. So two <laughs> times a day, you would be able to size up your competition, but you, I mean, you actually can get a lot of information about people based on just seeing how they walk around each day. But other than that, we never really got a lot of exposure to anybody else during that time. Cool. Um, and uh, so uh, the, in my notes here, <laughs> To, to, to begin your uh, the, the questions we have about your actual game is what were your thoughts when you first saw long haired Jeff? When I first saw long haired Jeff, one, I thought very relatable. Mm-hmm. I also am here with a pandemic haircut. So I knew that Jeff couldn't let me do it alone. So it yeah. made me feel a lot better. But there was one moment um, with, when we are filming the challenges, um, there is some time when Jeff is actually talking to the contestants off camera. He's just, you know, uh, shooting the shit, talking about whatever. Mm-hmm. And he came up and chatted with me. And I let Jeff know that I would have his back and tell him if his hair got too long for my liking. And cool. he just laughed and he was like, sure, Erica, like, I do not care what you think about my hair. <laughs> um, but it, it was cool to see it in person. That's cool. You and Jeff had a, had quite a little rapport and it, it, it even came out through the edit. I feel like you and Jeff were like the... The best that my favorite friendship that was was created in the, on the season. Oh, my my number one ally. Don't tell Heather. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I don't know. As soon as I met Jeff, even in casting, 
maybe it's because I had been watching him since I was a kid, but I felt like, oh my gosh, I, I know this person. I, I feel like we just immediately knew how to chat with each other. But mm-hmm. I also think the things that I was doing, like a lot of people say that I was super polite in the way that I would say good morning to Jeff whenever I came in or say thank you to him. I didn't realize that I was doing anything out of the ordinary. Maybe it's the polite Canadian in me, but I'm like, oh, aren't you always supposed to greet people and then thank them for whatever they did as you leave? I don't know. That's great. I, I, I love the Canadian specificity to every <laughs> everything here. We've talked a lot about everything leading up to the game. So let's, let's talk about the actual game. Uh, we, we wanted to talk to you about your pre-merge story because there's a lot of stories being told in the pre-merge and we didn't always get to hear from you during that time. We're, like what, what was a big story for you in the pre-merge? Winning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that, I think that since Luvu was so good in challenges and honestly, it was kind of a joke how good we were doing. I think Mm -hmm. that the show does a good job of trying to add suspense to the challenges and make everyone think that, you know, everyone has an equal shot. But when you're out there, it's kind of a joke how good we were. We just had somebody who was good at everything. And I think that that was Nasir or or everybody. I mean, we all we all had someone. I see. see Yeah, we all we. We had players who were good at everything, basically. I thought you um, meant one person who was good at everything. Oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Yeah. yeah. With with the crew we had, we were, okay. we were good at a lot of the things. Awesome. I, I'd say almost all the things. And I feel like because of that, we had such a weird start to the game because we would always strategize before votes, but then mm-hmm. all of that strategizing ends up being inconsequential because we don't even end up voting anyway. So sometimes it doesn't surprise me that we didn't see a lot of the Luvu strategizing because ultimately it leads to nothing. I feel like allegiances kind of um, shifted around a bit in that first part of the game too, because again, there's no voting and there's no being able to really prove um, like who is loyal to who. Um, So it was such a weird time. I feel like when I first landed on the beach in Luvu, uh, I, I, I had watched Survivor for a long time. So, you know, when you get to the beach on the first day, you don't want to be the one who's running around doing the crazy stuff. You want to be in the camp. You want to be in the majority. For us, we're a tribe of six. Deshaun and Danny are doing the water challenge. So they're gone. Uh, Sydney, Nasir, Heather, and I go to camp, but we don't have tools or anything to really start anything. So Sydney and I start weaving palm fronds and then Heather and Nasir start running around doing all the crazy stuff. And Sydney and I are sitting there thinking, this is not how we expected to start day one of Survivor. We did not expect just the two of us to be sitting here with nothing. So Sydney and I actually hit it off and became allies on the first day and became friends on the first day. And I feel like my plan going into the, the game initially was I wanted to be in the majority, but at the bottom of the majority. And then to just prove through voting that I was a loyal person. Um, but I didn't really care about, nor did I want to be seen as having too much control or um, having too much power within the Alliance. So I thought, okay, bottom of the majority, perfect place to be. So then I found that with Sydney, she then came to me saying, okay, now we're in an Alliance with Deshaun and Danny. I'm like, okay, great. I'm down with that. I will ride with this and be um, the bottom of this four and get through the pre-merge part of the game. The problem with that was that we never actually voted. So I never really had the chance to um, prove to prove to anybody who I was. And instead, when you're just sitting with people and the 
like none of the dynamics are really changing. There's not really anything being introduced to us that forces us to change or react to it. We kind of all just like got comfortable and got, I, I, I can't speak for everyone, but I got kind of bored at the end. And then I think that a lot of um, eagerness took over. I think that that's what we see with the episode where Deshaun was supposedly trying to throw the challenge for me, but then that ended up being a lot messier than you saw on TV. And okay. the dynamics started shifting around and I found myself to no longer be in the majority. And then Heather and I, by default, were on the outs and then Heather and I became friends. Um, so is that, yeah, that it, it was a li- lot of, pardon? Sorry, that kind of lines up with the challenge where Deshaun tried to uh, throw it? Yeah, so... From my point of view, what actually happened is, well, not, sorry, not my point of view. What actually happened is Deshaun came to me with the plan to vote out Sydney. I know the show makes it seem like I was quite eager and Mm. I was trying to target Sydney, but that actually wasn't the case because I'm here trying to remain at the bottom of the majority alliance. But Deshaun came to me with a plan to vote out Sydney. I'm just saying, yes, I'm agreeing with it. Because for me, I'm thinking, okay, at least this is just another piece of information, another potential option, should we vote? But this tribe is crazy, so it doesn't look like we're voting anytime soon. Um, So I was just saying yes to his plan. And and in the end, we see through the show that... um, I don't know. It was actually like an effort for him to turn Sydney and I against each other. I don't know. But it's like just me saying yes to a plan that was being posed to me led to Deshaun wanting to do something as crazy as to throw this challenge and to um, disrupt how this tribe has been unbeatable. So I think that it speaks to how there was a lot of like eagerness and hunger to play on Luvu, even though we never really got the opportunity to do it. Yeah. So he's he's sort of chomping at the bit there and almost I would say it would probably been a mistake or maybe I guess you did go on to win. I don't even know. So Mm -hmm. uh, uh, (laughs) but 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 you're I I, especially in the last few episodes, your relationship with Deshaun becomes like one of the more interesting things to track. And when I went back and watched it, I I I watched closely. So it's interesting to hear the stuff that wasn't shown between you and Deshaun. Like when what like how did your relationship with Deshaun really start? Deshaun and I, from day one, we actually slept beside each other when we were sleeping on the ground at Luvu. And we had a really great conversation about our lives and about our families. And we immediately like built a close bond and became friends. And Deshaun and I, after filming the show, were laughing because our relationship was such a roller coaster, so up and down. We don't know how to describe it. So we couldn't wait to see how the show was going to describe this relationship. And I think that since it was so confusing, you didn't even see a lot of it because I feel like the show probably didn't even know how to describe Deshaun and I. But yeah, um, we were sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Sorry. Sorry. I I was just sort of going to reiterate like the way that it kind of leads to this truth bomb that becomes this like huge factor i would say in the last couple tribal councils there with with a few different uh, uh, a few of you um just like everything leading up to it i, I like yeah i would have loved to see more of it but it, like you said if it's confusing i mean that truth bomb itself was a confusing thing to to all of a sudden present itself so um i i suppose that's par for the course yeah yeah yeah, that I was also confused as when I was in it, I was mm-hmm. as confused as the viewers who watched it. Um, and in with the relationship with Deshaun and I, we always had a really strong personal relationship and we had talked about working together game wise, but it just never really panned out. And 
I would always say I want I want to trust Deshaun because I like him so much, but there's just some reason I feel like I can't. And then again, the problem with Luvu and not voting is I could never actually see where anybody stood. Mm-hmm. I think that all of us on Luvu had that same problem. Okay. It- so, but I had promised him, um, funny enough, I had promised him in the pre-merge that I would protect him. He said he would protect me. Okay, cool. We'll see what happens. So we get to, um, once we, uh, sorry, no. So I get exiled. I come back mm-hmm. from exile. And the first thing that people tell me is, um, oh, Deshaun's been like throwing you under the bus, wanting to target you, blah, blah, <laughs> blah, which I'm like, okay, cool. I'm like, I'm going to keep that in mind, but I also have to, I, I'm not going to like overreact or take it personally. Th- that's information I have. I'll keep it in mind, keep it with a grain of salt, because I also know that all of these people have their own incentive of trying to win me over mm-hmm. and get me to vote with them at a vote that th- is this crucial and has been sprung at them. Um, so last minute with right. the flip over of who's eligible. So I'd keep that in mind. And then it was just something that I would hear all the time that, oh, Deshaun is, uh, you know, saying this about you or has said this about you, whatever. So I, I found that I would always talk to Deshaun about the game, but I would kind of keep, remain guarded and mm. take everything he said with a grain of salt, because I think it's really easy on Survivor to actually see, hear who, what people are saying to you, but you can observe who is actually with her. You see who, when something gets introduced to the game or after the challenge and you see who wins, you see who speaks to who as soon as um, you get back to camp and you know that those are the people who are actually a priority for each other's game. So I knew that I was never at the top of the totem pole of Deshaun's game, but, but I knew that we had this relationship and I knew that if I at least maintained that relationship, it was something that could move me forward in the game. And it wasn't my interest to keep him in the game for as long as he was there. And I think that for the, um, the final six episode, which I, yeah, that's the truth bomb episode. Mm -hmm. And I remember telling him that I wanted to keep him in the game. We, I would figure out, yeah, I I would be working with the Alliance that I had to make sure that Danny was going to be gone. The chicken Um, and veggies, final three. The chicken and veggies final three, even though we did the chicken and veggie final three. And then afterwards, Deshaun would walk away and Xander and I were like, okay, that's obviously not a thing, but let's just go with it. Let's just keep it on the table as an option. Um, And even the conversation I had with him about um, me considering not sitting with Heather at that point in the game, everybody has a conversation with everybody about Mm -hmm. the best combination of person to sit with. And you have to make everybody think that you would want to sit with them and, and that it would be in your best interest to not sit with the other people. That's just kind of part of the game. Uh, but I think that, yeah, when that kind of all ex- exploded at tribal council and there was a lot more to the truth bomb that you didn't see on TV, which could better explain why I was so angry, why Heather was so angry, why right. um, Xander called it a truth kamikaze. But when that all came to light, that just didn't make any sense. Um because I truly was trying to protect Deshaun. Yeah. But I think it spoke to this weird um, relationship that I had with him where on a personal level, he and I got along so well and we're, we're good friends now, but I might've been like this weird white whale for him. <laughs> and he just, it was like, I was the thorn in his side and he just couldn't smack me down. <laughs> it, it felt like Deshaun kind of had this relationship 
with a lot of people in the game, right? Like you, you saw a little bit of it with Evie or with uh, Chan. And, and it, it's so interesting because I think like um, from my perspective, anyways, it felt like every time Deshaun spoke from the heart, he was incredibly articulate. But as soon as it came to the game, he would just spiral out of control and like dig a hole and it would get worse for him. Um, but did you did you think that with seeing that and how he handled the truth bomb did because you end up keeping him after the truth bomb? Was it because of how much of a hole he dug for himself in that? What was the reasoning for taking out Danny there? Yeah, well, because going into that vote, I thought between Deshaun and Danny, Danny's a very fixed player. So Danny has a very, it's almost like an old school view of the game. Mm -hmm. For example, when the game was flipped over with the hourglass, Danny actually had a really hard time wrapping his head around how he won something and then it would get taken away from him. It's very in conflict with, you know, his upbringing as an NFL player. And I feel like with the game, Danny also gets very fixed in the way that he feels too. And I, when I think back now to, um, the pre-merge and when Deshaun was telling Danny that I was targeting Sydney, Danny and I at that point had a really great relationship. And Danny was really like upset to think that I had been, um, that I had like betrayed he and his ally. Um, and I think that it, since knowing the way that Danny thinks that type of thinking, like really permeated him with him and it stayed with him in terms of how he viewed me, because I found that at that point in the game, like Danny really didn't have a door open to working with me. I don't think he was really interested in going forward with me or really trying to plan anything with me. Whereas with Deshaun, who is so all over the place. And as we've seen, he switches his allegiances. He'll promise somebody something and then break the promise right after. I feel like Deshaun's a lot more fluid. So I thought, okay, even though Deshaun could totally try to come for me, Deshaun could also decide if the, if the wind blows the right way, he would want to ally with me. So I feel like mm -hmm. there's more opportunity available to me right. to keep Deshaun. And then when all of that stuff was happening with the truth bomb, I'm thinking... I, I put my PR hat on and I'm thinking what I need to do right now is show that I'm unaffected by this. So I just have to remain composed, stay the course, um, not deny anything that's being said, but frame it in a way that shows that I didn't actually do anything that um, is actually considered a real betrayal or anything that bad in the game. Like try to position everything that he's saying as something that's very, um, you know, just very normal within the game of survivor. And then I was also thinking, I can't show that I am an emotional decision maker because I think that it's, it's a hard thing for women in the world and women who play the game to be viewed as emotional. So I'm like, no, I need to show that no matter what he's doing to try to upset me right now, I'm going to stick with the plan, stick with my guns and show that I have the decision-making power in this vote. So even though it's like I, I totally was so pissed at him and wanted to totally scream at him and tell him to shut the F up, mm -hmm. I was like, I need to stay composed and I need to show that he is in the game and it's my decision. And ultimately, I think that favored well with the jury. Definitely. Yeah. And there, like it's uh, I'm going to sorry, stay. We'll we'll move on from the truth bomb soon. But it is like one of the bigger moments of the season, in my opinion. And, and you you might agree. Um, but um, Xander brings it up, too, as the jury reaction is one of the reasons he brought you to final three. And I didn't quite know what he was talking about. I heard from the jury that they thought it was a bad read, but what is he talking about when he says the jury's reaction to the truth bomb? I think Xander read the jury's reaction as they were in favor of what Deshaun was doing. 
Okay. Personally, when I was there, I actually didn't look at the jury as that was happening because I'm thinking I can't show myself looking to the jury for reassurance or trying to see what they think. I need to show that I am kind of in my own world, um, responding to this and unaffected by all of the other things happening and staying the course. So I made the conscious decision to not look at the jury at that time. I could hear a lot of talking from the jury, um, but I didn't actually see what they were saying. So apparently Xander looked at them and he felt like whatever, however they were responding or reacting showed that they didn't have any respect for me. But now as we watch the footage back, it wasn't the case. Right. So speaking of Xander, let's go backwards a bit. When did the the phrases, the idle phrases, the broccoli and the butterfly and this and that, when did when did everyone figure out what that was? Was that did you know what that was in the pre-merge when it was happening or did you find out later? Yeah, we found out in the pre-merge because Deshaun had gone on to that summit with Evie and Evie Mm -hmm. had told him about the idols and how the idols work. Deshaun actually brought that information back. So we would sit at Luvu and try to work through it and try to figure out what it all meant. So when we were hearing at first, when we were hearing Xander say that stuff, we thought he was nuts. But then as <laughs> Brad would say stuff and then as um, Shan would start to talk about the broccoli, too, it started to like in my mind, start to click in that it's very weird how everybody's saying this stuff. Um, and then when I got to the merge camp, because I had these suspicions that that's what was happening. Then when I got to the merge camp after being exiled, everyone confirmed that that's actually what had happened. But um on Luvu, it wasn't like we weren't looking for the advantage. I know that, yeah, we went many episodes without our advantage being found, but we always Mm -hmm. talked about it and we always talked about, okay, knowing that we have this information, what should we do with it? So we had thought about, okay, should we like leave it and not find it? And then someone that we want to eliminate, let them find it. And when they're not, when they don't have a vote, we can vote them out. Or Mm -hmm. what if we just leave it and none of the idols are active at merge. Like how crazy would that be? Oh, wow. Obviously, yeah. like, I, I don't think the survivor gods would have loved if we did that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but we were all, we were, cause there was a lot of time and there wasn't voting. So there was always just like talking about different scenarios or different things we could do, but none of them actually came into fruition. Do you think that uh, Xander being the first one to say one of these catchphrases, that initial impression by people not on his tribe stuck with him for a long time because like you're you're saying like these kind of like and i mean physical appearance too when you look at him because like i i think we saw on the show that he is a smart guy and that and everything like that and obviously his profession but like physical appearance and other um archetypes of like his like you know even you could even say like fabio would yeah, be along that fabio, line yeah if he is saying this insane catchphrase or whatever do you think that stuck with him a little bit because people's initial impression was well this guy's a bit of like an airhead no i think so i think that you know we all we all come into this like we all look like specific characters right so i think we all make our specific judgments and i don't think it did him any favors talking about the butterflies as soon as he (laughs) as soon as he would hit the mat honestly whenever a butterfly would fly into the luvu camp we'd be like oh my god it's xander's relative Uh (laughs) oh and on the chicken and veggies reward did you remark that uh, that you didn't realize till now that the broccoli was just tiny trees (laughs) you know what for that reward Deshaun and I really wanted the cake, but Xander's super paleo, so he wouldn't have eaten the cake had we wanted. So we had to reluctantly eat the chicken and veggies. Um, oh, 
Hmm. I know. I, th- I, I mean, think I it was the better home. decision. Right. Yeah. As far as fueling. <laughs> we, 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 we were fascinated with the rewards throughout, especially because you were barely eating at all. So Cody called it when he saw those grilled cheese. He's like, that's not going to be good for them. No, I had a rough time and I'm also very dairy sensitive. Um, so I ate the grilled cheese. There was chips. It was something that I had been thinking about for a long time. So right. I was really excited to eat the same. I have sandwich. it written down. And then, oh, oh, my, my manifesting of things. Yes. Uh. Um, so I was really excited to eat the grilled cheese. But yeah, in the middle of the night, I had to climb into these, again, some tall grass and bushes in the Fijian jungle. And then I'm like, uh oh, the body is now responding to the grilled <laughs> cheese and the body doesn't like it. Yeah, don't do that on Toronto Island. No, no, no. <laughs> but you didn't have a white claw to soothe you on the way out. Yeah. <laughs> no, sadly. <laughs> um, so at the merge, uh, I just wanted to talk about. So when we ha- we had the understanding that Shan was from Toronto going into the game. And did you ever have like that ca- Toronto connection with Shan at all? We talked about Toronto, I think, very briefly. But I think that ha- having the shorter game, I feel like people don't realize how much downtime that actually cuts out. Because when I got to the beach after um, being exiled between and then going to tribal council, it's not a lot of time at all. It's maybe like, it feels like maybe two hours, three hours. And when you have to talk to 11 other people to all of a sudden figure out a plan, and I don't know any of these people. Well, I only know the Luvus, but I don't really know these people. There's not really a lot of time to wine and dine each other. Like we're getting down to business. Okay. And even with the quicker pace of the game and um, uh, having a challenge almost every day. Challenges actually take up a lot of time. Um, So they're actually, yeah, we didn't really get the chance to talk about Toronto as much as you would think just because the schedule was so packed. Um, And it just seemed like right away, Shan was gunning for you. what, What was, what was in between the, like, you guys meeting and then uh, the bad blood that started between you and Shan. I don't know if it's necessarily bad blood, but I think that a big thing that I had working against me was I was out of the game and I was Mm -hmm. on exile and Deshaun had this perception of me as being so scary. It's something that he had, you know, made sure that Danny and Sydney had felt. And I think that not being there for the two days. And then they had the the two days where there was a lot of downtime. It's really easy for one person's perception of someone who's not there to now kind of take root and to become the perception of a lot of other people. So I feel like it it didn't really do me any favors that someone who was calling me sneaky was in the game um, when everybody was looking for a target. Right. Um, and did you you say in your in your final tribal performance that you you saw that Shan knew that knew what sort of player you were and that's why you wanted Shan out. And so, mm-hmm. um, like, what did like what did you see in her that you didn't see from other people? Like, did she just like not talk to you about strategy and like was just like, um trying to get you out the whole time or, or and, and everybody else was talking to you or like, what did you see there? Yeah, I'd say it's a, a bit of both. I think we didn't really like at the beginning of the merge, I was able to get the correct information to vote correctly. Um, when it was clear that that Shan had a lot of pull within the tribe and I was I had I feel like I had um, used the strategy that I wanted to use at Luvu where I got into the bottom of the majority. Um, right. 
but I think that as the game went further, we didn't really strategize with each other a lot. And I think that, yeah, it was clear to me that um, I was someone that she wanted to, to get out. Um, so I just felt like, yeah, I just felt like for, for whatever reason, I was high on her list. So I just needed to be aware of that and to make sure that, you know, she was also someone that would eventually become the top of my list as the game went on. And what were, were you like, as the show shows it, like you were, I, I think the first person to say her name, you say it to Deshaun after the, the Nasir vote that you, that you're, you want to go for Shan. Is that the first conversation that was had about getting out Shan or was your relationship with Ricard starting where Shan was being talked about as a, a potential vote? Yeah. I mean, Ricard and I actually hit it off as soon as we met at the merge. And even though we knew, like, I knew that he had this strong relationship with Shan at that point, he had a bit more pull than me in the game. And he and I had always wanted to create the circumstances to work together. And at that point, we didn't really have um, a plan for targeting Shan. He had just always said that he knows that he's associated with her and he knows that eventually he would have to um, target her. But at that point, we didn't have a stable plan or even like the timing uh, for targeting her. I think that it was it was really, yeah, that episode when the wheels started to turn to really put the plan together to get rid of her. Because I think leading up to that, um, for me, the game was kind of in the background, building up these allies and getting people to decide that they want to put trust with, with me and work with me. Um, so it was being able to assemble the allies and the numbers so that we were able to execute on the three, three, two plan at the right time. I got to give you credit for the vote split. That was really good. I remember when that happened, I was like, that was Erica. I, I, that looked like it was Erica doing that vote split. That was really cool. Thank you. And I think it, it was like really fun to watch it back. Cause I'm like, this is some nice old school survivor, just mm -hmm. playing with the numbers, playing with the people, trying to figure out how to get people to vote in a way that is helpful to you and not having to worry about, you know, like weird things that you find in trees. Mm -hmm. That was a great episode. I will say when when that happened that, that we were so high on that episode, we thought it was I think it's one of the best episodes of the show. And like rewatching it, I was like blown away by how good that episode is. Thank you. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of old school survivor, something that definitely wasn't old school survivor is going back to this hourglass and this very um, twist and advantage heavy season. What is what is your perspective on everything we saw from the hourglass to the do or die to uh, obviously some of them you were more involved in, some of them you were less involved in. But what's your perspective on all of that? It's kind of funny because there's such a difference between playing the game and watching the show, because when we were playing the game, we would know that people would be going on summits and stuff. And it was actually a decision I made to never volunteer to go on the summit because I'm like, OK, people think I'm scary and I'm just sitting here being nice to everyone. If there's even potential for me to come back with a secret, then all of a sudden I become the scariest person ever. So I purposely never wanted to go on these treks, even though I'm sure the view would have been beautiful. Um, but it, as you can see, with the advantages that people got from all of these twists, not a lot of them actually affected the course of the game. So yeah. as a player, we knew that there were advantages. We try to play around them. Sometimes they get played. Sometimes they wouldn't. But ultimately, the advantages actually didn't really affect the outcome of the game. So it's kind of funny watching it back to see how much screen time and how much emphasis there was on the advantage, knowing <laughs> right. how like I didn't have one of those aside from the final episode. 
I, and the hourglass, which was given to me. Um, I didn't like, I didn't really have anything to do with the advantages. I just played around them and I ended up winning. So it's, yeah, it's kind of funny. I feel like it's almost like in Jurassic park. Um, that's saying that what life always finds a way. Is that it? It, uh, 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 finds a way. Yes. (laughs) Um, it's kind of like in survivor where I think that you can throw in all of these crazy twists, but ultimately the game and the social ability and the ability to maneuver is what, which is what finds a way in the end. Right. Yeah. I, I think that a big, one of the big per, uh, people that got a lot of stuff, obviously Xander had a lot of things going into the merge. I mean, it felt like everyone had an extra vote. It was hard to keep track of who all had one at that point, but Xander had a lot and it felt like we watched as he, everyone knew he had a lot of advantages and saw him as a threat. And then eventually everyone was like, no, nah, we don't care. We'll just leave him in. <laughs> yeah. When did, when did Xander stop becoming, or was he even as big of a threat as he thought he was? Like, when did he stop becoming such a threat? I personally never felt that threatened by Xander. Like I know that at um, when I first landed on the merge beach and there was the whole knowledge is power and trying to steal Xander's idol, um, and then I, for the final 11 vote, there was some consideration for trying to get Xander to flush his idol, but really Xander and I became really good friends. I feel like you didn't see that on the show, but Xander and I were really tight during the show. We had always talked about going to the end of, end with each other. Even now, Xander and I are really good friends. And at least for me personally, I knew that my relationship with Xander was so strong that I felt whatever he had in his pocket was pretty neutralized. I, I, like I didn't feel like any of his, um, any of the toys he had were going to be used to target me. Um, Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, we'll keep him. And anytime we've strategized, like I would strategize with Xander, he would always say, okay, the idol's available. The extra vote is available. Like this can be part of us thinking about what we want to do. So if anything, Xander was like a tool to help me to get closer rather than someone I saw as a threat. So I really, it it didn't really, it was never really um, like a consideration getting rid of him. Right. Okay. So would you have considered him like you said you wanted to take him to the end the whole time where did you were you thinking i want to go to the end with xander because i know i'll 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 beat xander in the end i think that i knew that xander had um had played like there's no denying you know xander had Mm -hmm. um played a role in some of the really flashy moves in the game but i felt like with xander at the very least, I knew that Xander didn't have me beat. I thought even Xander at his best tribal council performance, like, I would be able, um, like I felt confident enough in my ability to be able to plead my case at the end. Um, so I would sit with him. But honestly, as much as I thought about what's the best combination of people for me to sit with, I was really thinking I just need to get there because I know that I'll be able to argue for myself no matter who I'm sitting beside. Mm-hmm. And knowing that Xander's loyal to me and knowing that Xander has all of this stuff with him and he said that he would help me to get to the end. I was down to sit with Xander and just kind of deal with whatever Xander wanted to say because I felt like, yeah, I always had a shot against him. And and we want to give you credit, too, for just a dominant final tribal like, oh, just yeah, no questioning in that final tribal, just destruction. You were so good. Uh, yeah, one and- of the best final tribals, I would Thank say. Yeah. Yeah. And and I uh, watching in, on my rewatch, I was thinking like every time you talked in tribal council, like b- like even before tr- final tribal, I was like, oh, we should have saw this coming. You're, you're very <laughs> well spoken in the uh 
the tribal whenever Jeff asks you a question, maybe it's because you had such a good rapport with Jeff. Oh my, I well, I love Jeff. Yeah, I found I was very um I, I was very picky about the way that I spoke. So I felt like the way that I spoke at camp, I would actually change the way that I spoke so that I, I don't know. So I'd sound a bit dumber. I don't know. I was saying like a lot. I feel like I get picked on a lot for saying like, um, but I would say like a lot. I would try to try to make sure that I chose my words so that I would be able to communicate a thought, but not communicate it as clearly as I wanted to. Because I came into the show having worked as a communications manager, worked in PR for so long. I understand you know, speaking. I understand word selection and all of the different things that can create an impression for someone. So I was very choosy about how I spoke, the way that I spoke at different times. And when it came to final tribal council, I had had a career for almost 10 years where I would train people to do interviews, train people to do presentations, Sometimes people uh, who I have to train um, are subject to really hostile questioning. And I just went in, in there thinking, this is my shot to prove that I know what is up. If I do not kill it here, then I don't know what I was doing the last 10 years. So it felt so good. I remember seeing the way that the jury reacted to the way all three of us answered the first question. And I was thinking, I just have to stay the course and I have it in the bag. And once the final tribal council was over and Jeff went up to go um, grab the urn from the voting area. I was thinking, oh my God, I think I just won survivor. I'm freaking out. And then I was not expecting him to announce it right on the spot though. Yeah. That, that would have been a, a, a huge moment. Um, I guess we, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll start winding down a Cody and yep. uh uh, but we have uh, some a few fun questions. Uh, uh, a question that I had: uh, th there was somebody that I quite liked uh, on the show that you never got to meet, but did oh, on the show at least. But did you ever meet Brad Reese? Oh, I've never met Brad. I've spoken to him. I wish I met him. Mm -hmm. I remember when we first could see each other because before the show starts filming, we take our photos, we do all of that stuff, so we get exposed to each other. And I wish that I met Brad. There mm -hmm. was one day I saw Brad eating. Um, well, he had a bag of trail mix and he was trying to open it and he couldn't. So then he put the trail mix. He put a corner of the trail mix bag under the leg of his chair and then used that to rip it open. And I'm thinking, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's so resourceful. I need to live with him. Oh, I, I was never guy. on his tribe, but the first I few days on Luvu, I was, I was saying like, guys, the green tribe probably has this like, multi-story um, house with an ensuite and it's probably so beautiful because of what Brad is doing but and he he invited me to um, Wyoming so I'm gonna take him up on that this year yeah that's awesome go to his is it his ranch yes he I've heard he owns almost all of Wyoming low-key oh awesome was there other players that you uh, wish you would have met or on the show or uh, played with that got out yes. before? Yes. I mean, I wish that I would have met Jeannie. I love yeah. Jeannie. Jeannie. Yeah. I've talked to Jeannie a bunch um, since coming back from Fiji and Jeannie is as wonderful as she seems on TV. I, I would love for her to come visit Toronto. Um, she says she wants to. So I would love for her to come. I was all, I always wanted to meet Sarah. Like as soon as I saw her right. when we first got to Fiji, she seemed so sweet and I've met her. I've hung out with her since then. And she's awesome. Um, a funny story. I've spoken to JD since coming back and JD's a riot. And he, <laughs> he had said to me that um, 
he would say sometimes in his confessionals, I can't wait till we swap. I can't wait till we merge. I can't wait to have a, an alliance of people in the early 20s. So me, Xander, Erica, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, <laughs> I felt so stupid when I found out that you were in your 30s. <laughs> does, uh, does, does JD have an impression of you now? Are you a part of uh, the Hall of Fame of his uh, survivor impersonations? I need to ask because I think, you know, winning is cool. But unless you have a JD impersonation, yeah, you exactly. are nothing in the franchise. That, that's that's now part of your uh, the survivor checklist. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, so there are two uh, uh, widely unpopular. I put unpopular in quotes uh, types of pizza. There's Fiji pizza, pizza and Toronto pizza. People talk shit about both of them. What do you like better? I've never had. Oh, wait a second. I was going to say I've never had Fiji pizza, but I did. You saw me on TV eating it. Yeah, Stu's so I, pizza. I can't lie about that. There's proof. I I, I served it to Jeff Probst. Toronto pizza. Yeah. I okay. actually have a, a, a group of friends and we have adult pizza parties um, every couple of weeks where we order pizza. Back before COVID, we would all sit on the floor and drink cans of pop. And then we would talk about the different pizzas in the city. So I don't know why people are talking shit because there's a lot of great pizza in Toronto. Hey, I put unpopular in quotations. I love Toronto pizza. So, yeah, <laughs> Toronto has like, I mean, as far as Toronto cuisine has everything from everywhere. And like you can get every style of pizza here, Detroit, Chicago, uh, Brooklyn, you get it all. So there's I don't know who's knocking Toronto pizza. Mm-hmm. And the Fiji I, pizza was good, but I mean, was? I was just very overwhelmed when I was eating the Fiji pizza. I did not understand what was happening. I was like, just give me more of the champagne. I'm not ready for this. So right. I might have to go back and win again and really savor the pizza. Yeah, right. Yeah, I bet that was a whirlwind. You think you're going to get like that big menu they give you at at uh, uh, Ponderosa. And then you just get no, no, you're going to get Stu's pizza and champagne. <laughs> We still got the menu on the boat back. Oh, good. Good. Yeah. But all I ordered, I think I said select all for the dessert section. Oh, nice. Cake and cookies. All of it. You Give me the, got... all five of the cakes. Um, um, speaking of coming back, uh, we I I know that you would want to come back. I, I feel in my bones. I know that you'd want to be there, right? Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's too soon because it's a lot like Survivor actually takes up a lot of your life. Mm -hmm. And keep in mind, I first got into casting in 2019. So it's been now it's 2022, three years of Survivor in my life. So maybe it's too soon. Um, but I don't know if I don't know. because It's hard. I feel like I achieved everything I want to on my Survivor bucket list my first time out. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what's left for me to achieve. But who knows if there's a winners at war too? maybe, maybe I you'll would, see me out there again. I would love to see you with all the, the winners that didn't get picked in winners at war. You and uh, Todd, the <sighs> dual. Did, 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 I heard that Todd had dual citizenship and he was he was part Canadian. Yeah, he's a dual citizen. So the the what the Internet belief is that he had to renounce his Canadian citizenship to get his prize. But oh. I don't know, because Todd and I have talked. Mm -hmm. And which kills me because I, I am obsessed with Todd. Mm -hmm. And he said that um, he has a lot of family in Canada and that if he comes to Toronto, we would hang out. Um, so I don't know, but I'm obsessed with Todd. And Todd actually messaged me the morning of the finale saying that I was his winner pick and I basically collapsed. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, Erica, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you. I feel like that flew by. Yeah. Thank you for it, having me. 
Yeah, of course. And and again, thank you so much for being so nice to us and, and having us to your watch party. The finale was that was just a, a highlight of the year at the end of the year that I, 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 I think I can speak for Cody and say that was one of my favorite moments of the year. Right. Oh, yeah. And uh, like we're your friend now, so you can't <sighs> escape that. Like that's yeah. just a thing. Yeah, we're oh, your friends. And if Brad Reese comes to Toronto, we'll have him over for a pizza party. <laughs> <laughs> a million percent. And so, yeah, I as I mentioned, I haven't listened to a lot of podcasts this season, but I did listen to the finale party episode, not the part where you actually talk about the episode, mm-hmm. but where you talk about the party. Mm-hmm. And um, I know you were asking about the crown that I was wearing. Oh, yes. And I've actually listened to this episode multiple times. I've listened to it with my sister and my sister always blushes when you bring up the crown because I actually went to the Duff- Dufferin Mall with her. So we went to the Dirty Duff mm-hmm. and I was telling her, OK, I need to buy a crown. I can't be seen touching it because we don't know the internet's crazy. So can you get this crown and buy it for me? And she was like, okay. And afterwards we've talked about it. And she's like, I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know how I didn't put that together. I thought maybe it's just your personality to want to wear a crown, even if you don't win (laughs) and just enjoy it. So I don't know. I don't, I, I can't believe that that was an oversight. So she doesn't she herself doesn't even know how that happened, but it I, happened. I'm so glad you brought that up because I would have been I would have been mad at myself for not asking you because I, <laughs> I know that I did. I was wondering about uh, the crown you had and, and uh, if anyone asked any questions about whether you won or not from that, <laughs> you, you could have just told people it's because you're the puzzle queen. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I would have been ready with a lie, but luckily I didn't yeah. have to because I took home the whole thing, baby. Yeah, that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. I will see you guys around. We can hang out. We will be friends. Perfect. Definitely. Wow. We just interviewed Erica Cody. How do you how do you feel like that went? I feel like that was great. I hope the listeners really enjoyed that. I know they will. I know they will. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, I was just listening to it back a bit. And uh, should I go back and cut out all the times I was like, cool. Oh, yeah, that would have been a nice moment. And like, I, I, I wasn't good at the transitions. I got to get better at my interviewing. Joel, it's OK. This was our first one together. You did great. Hey, listen, it was cool. Yeah, the times I said cool, I just listened to her talking about when Jeff was reading the votes and that at, at the end of it, the listeners just heard that heard this. So they don't need to hear it again. I, I said, wow, that that. Yeah, that must have been a great moment anyway. I was like, why do I have to say that? Why don't I just move on? Um, yeah, you uh, the the cools was almost like you were the Garth in the interview. Wow, cool. I'm having <laughs> a good time. <laughs> or or it was like on the Chris Farley show. Remember when you did this? That was awesome. <laughs> uh, no, but that that was uh, amazing. And uh, thanks again to Erica for uh yeah, being... thank, thanks to her for remembering that I wanted to ask her about the crown. I feel foolish for not remembering that. Eric is an avid listener of the podcast. Can you believe that? I thought Chili was our only listener. No, it's more. It's it's Chili and Erica. Uh, but yeah, this this interview meant a lot to uh, both of us. So thanks, Erica. And also uh, make sure to uh, rate, uh, review, you know, subscribe, subscribe. to the podcast. Um, and our let me uh, plug our social media as well. Our um, uh, Twitter is called Merge Boot 
let me just make sure I have this right. I can't believe I don't know it. <laughs> it's the Twitter is merge boot pod and Instagram is merge boot. Twitter is merge boot pod and Instagram is merge boot podcast. You know, it's even um, easier than that is that all of this is in the description of the podcast. Yeah, you can, you can check out all our social, social medias there. Um, yeah, thank you everyone for listening and to the new listeners. Um, hopefully we'll have more interviews, but we'll definitely have a lot of Survivor content coming out soon, including 42 recaps. We do it every night, every night after the, the episodes out. We recap the episode, talk about strategy, have guests on and have a fun time. We're two, we're two comedians, so we, <laughs> we can't help but joke around sometimes. And maybe we'll have another trivia night. Oh, yeah, maybe we'll do another Big Fat Survivor Quiz of the Year. What, <laughs> Mimi's poking in. Do you want to say something, Mimi? I think that the last time it was Cody that hosted and we were, you were just quizzing Joel. Is that correct? Uh, Joel and Chris, yeah. And Chris. Oh, I see. I think it should. I think you guys should go tete-a-tete, and I wouldn't mind you, asking you guys some questions. You want to do the trivia? I would have to do a lot of research since I have not seen even a quarter of the survivor that you have seen but i would be happy to do that well i mean a... I, I need you to know cody and and listeners i was listening outside the door the entire interview which mm-hmm. is just like listening to a podcast if you're creeped out by someone listening to your conversation that's what a podcast is so i was sitting on the floor right outside the door. i think that's it was good. cool that I'm you glad. did that that's yeah. great <laughs> I, want, I wanted to get a head start but i'll still download it and like subscribe to the podcast episode you haven't, you haven't done that already i've been doing it the whole time but i'm gonna do <laughs> this episode you well can, and and you can give us five stars on spotify as well as apple podcast uh, mimi i'll say too that the big thing with our uh, big fat uh quiz of the year a uh, big part of it was the survivor cameo questions yeah he well yeah speaking yeah, of todd herzog I I, well do you guys have a budget you know well you, you, you can pay me back or something yeah sure that's great. That sounds good. Let's get, it, let's get it done. I would be happy to do that. All right. Maybe we'll do that next week or whenever we're done with the uh, post season interviews. I'm glad this is like a meeting for the future of the podcast <laughs> on the uh, on air. Well, everyone, <laughs> thank you for listening. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll come back and listen again. Thank you so much, everybody. Hit that subscribe button. For the new listeners, we kiss uh, into the microphone to say goodbye. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs>